0: You're listening to The Ram Report, a podcast about all things BCU basketball, brought to you by WVCW Radio and the Commonwealth Times, and in partnership with the ESPN Richmond Radio. The Ram Report is hosted by Ben Malakoff and Noah Fleischman. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Noah.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of The Ram Report. I'm Noah Fleshman alongside Ben Malikoff and a special guest today, Wayne Epps Jr. of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Welcome, Wayne.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: So, Wayne, you made the trip to to Philadelphia. Uh, VCU knocked off St. Joseph's in a convincing fashion, even though they jumped out, I guess, to a slow start being down by 10 early in that first half.
2: Yeah, um, and they came back in, in a big way too. Um, but like I said, it was a hot start by St. Joe's. Uh, Demir Bishop, a sophomore from Philly, um, you know, had thirteen points like the first five minutes or so of the game, and and really uh, they jumped out to an eighteen or you know, an early ten point lead. Um, you know, which, you know, St. Joe's, their, their schedule their, you know, it's kind of a little bit deceiving because they play some challenging teams. So it was kind of hard to gauge just how good St. Joe's was, um, but they were missing their offensive centerpiece in um, Brian Daly, who was out uh, with a thumb injury, he had a cast on his right, on his um, left hand, um, but still early in the game, DeBee Bishop really stepped up um, and filled that role um, well. And so VC found itself in an early deficit, but uh, they really worked their way back uh, nicely and uh, had a spurt there, uh, 14-0 run where uh, Ace, Ball and hit a couple threes. Uh, Jameer had a, a three as well, and uh, they really worked their way back. And then they just kind of cruised in, in the second half and, and really pulled away. Um, but one of the things you know, my girl was talking about afterwards was he, he was kind of hoping, um, you know, they would kind of see some adversity and, and to kind of learn how to to uh, you know face it and how to, how to defeat it, basically. Uh, which you know, it's kind of it's kind of um, you know the portion of being in a position where they're saying, hey, we will want some adversity people we can learn how to beat it. But uh, they ended up getting a little bit on, on on the road in the league in league play on Wednesday, and they uh, they bounced back pretty well. So um, you know, it could be a nice learning and teaching moment for the team uh, moving forward. Um, you know, the 18 play continues.
0: One thing that stuck out to me in that game was it was Bones Highland didn't have his best offensive game, only had seven points. But Rhodes said after the game that Bones was the loudest guy on defense throughout most of that game. And you were were at St. Joe's. Could you hear Bones at all on defense at all? I felt like you could see him on TV, you know, waving his hands in the air, uh, hyping up his guys. But it's a good sign to see at least from um, a sophomore leader, a guy loud on defense, right?
2: Yeah, for for sure, and, and that's you know my girls just talked about this year. They really kind of challenged um, Bones to become a better defensive player. I think it's something growing up playing the game. He wasn't really asked to do as much because he was just such a natural um, scorer. And so when you're one of those guys, you know they just actually okay, just go out there get your points, and you know you don't really think about defense as much. But obviously, playing a program like VC, you're gonna you have to play defense, um, and. You know, Maybe he didn't, he didn't have as much pressure to do it last year when VCU had so many seniors, but now he's the go-to guy. Uh, he, he need to kind of step up his defense. And so, um, like I said, my girl said, he felt like that was his, his strongest defensive game he's had in 41 games at VCU um, on Wednesday at St. Joe's. I, I, to be honest, I couldn't really discern, <laughs> discern to his too much out of, out of that. Um, but uh, like I said, I think you can definitely see his presence on, on defense. He looks more comfortable, um, and he just plays with confidence. Um, one thing I noticed when he's on the ball, uh he, one thing he does a lot is he'll put his hands behind his back and just like you know kind of shadow the defender and I think he's playing defense very confidently uh, and also trying to play discipline and not not foul too much for something the team was trying to do better overall but um yeah I think he just looks, looks a lot more confident overall this year and um and I think the thing that kind of led to Wednesday's performance
0: yeah and it was it was a good thing too because um when the offense from your normal leaders like bones was lacking a little bit, guys like Vince Williams stu- uh, really stood out a uh, career high, 17 points for Vince, uh, Ace Baldwin, the freshman, another 12 points as well. And even Keyshawn Curry coming back his second game back from injury had 10 points along with, uh, Jameer Watkins. So, uh, it's just a good sign to see from this VCU team that when some guys who are normally focused on offense, didn't have their best day, uh, got other guys stood out um, even coming off the bench, which I think is the big thing. Curry and Watkins Curry's no longer a starter, but he's like pretty much like that six starter coming off that bench. Jameer Watkins, a guy who's so big for VCU off that bench, they came in and provided some much needed offense um, when it was a little slower to start that game for the Rams in the,
2: in the first half. Definitely, and you know, like, like I said, I think that's encouraging to see that that scoring depth uh, for this group. I think they they need to show a bit more of that because. Um, Bones, you know, as a leading scorer um thing was all but, heading into Wednesday it was all but two games. He was either leading scorer, within in one game he was tied for the lead, uh, so scoring lead so far this year. And so, seeing him not have to be that go-to guy not to score 30, 31 points or something like that um, to lead the team, uh, I, think, I think that's encouraging to see a guy like Vince step up. And, you know, Vince has been one of the, the big stories of the year. Uh, he could be in the running for uh, most A-10, most improved player this year, uh, the postseason award. Just, just seeing the big leap he's had um, from sophomore to junior year now he's finally healthy he didn't have an off-season shoulder surgery to recover from uh, last year he had a multitude of things he ended the year with a concussion uh, against against Marcosento Silva in practice and then uh, you know yeah he, he had the broken hand in January and then uh, he ended the year early with having an Achilles strain so this year he's finally healthy and we're finally seeing the type of player that BC recruited And um, so they kind of um, kind of paved the way for a 17 point performance and seven rebounds too on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, 17.7 rebounds, as you said. I mean, one thing I've noticed, Wayne, a lot of steals happening. I think more steals this year than maybe the past couple of years. 13 steals against St. Joseph's. VCU is a team that they're ranking in the top five in both uh, steals per game and total steals. Fifth in the country with 11.2 a game and then 112. So I guess in total steals, you're just good for fourth. So I mean, I know you wrote something about Trey Clark being that guy who's pretty much, I guess, is a pickpot – pickpocket master I mean he just finds a way to get the ball what do you think I guess just the biggest uh differences in the way that they can generate steals this year
2: uh, I think it's just that athleticism you know I think you know this year is the first year that every player on a roster is, is a guy that um Mike Rose and his coaching staff recruited you know last year they still had you know a couple a couple holdovers from the previous staff and I think you know all every every guy in this in this on his roster kind of fits in a system where it's not a whole lot of you don't have any like too many like slow players, you know, there's a lot of athletic players who kind of can play they're multiple positions and they're all, they're all long and they're all athletic. And so I think that they're, they're, you know, they, they, and also one thing I like was talked about is without less than they have the instincts to get these, these as well. So, you know, when they're pressuring the ball and when they're, when they're pressing, you know, guys are instinctive with, when the opportunity is to look for a steal. Uh, one, one thing, you know, when I interviewed Trey Clark, you mentioned, um, you know, earlier this season, he mentioned there's a couple things that he looks for. One is if a guy tries to, to cross him up, um, he looks at, you know, that's the opportunity to, to go for a steal. He also, um, you know, looks for, you know, obviously, you know, passing lanes and things like that to kind of jump and, and, and go for steals as well. Uh, he, he's a player who also, maybe right behind Vince Williams, is probably maybe second most improved on his team where he's now has the more prominent role at the backup point guard spot with, behind Ace. Uh, and, and we're seeing more athletes can come out as well and seeing just how much of an all-around player he is both defense and offensively as well. Um, and you know, led, led by Trey and led by Ace as well as a freshman, uh, you're seeing uh, you know BC like I said ranked top five in the country in, in steals. I, I believe Trey, you know, as far at least on Sunday he was top five. And Palm's steal percentage, um, as far as you know, percentage of possessions when he's on the floor that he comes up with the steal as well. So um, just seeing the, the growth in these guys and, and also just again the the fit of player to system, I think, is leading to um, the high number of steals. Yeah, Ace Baldwin has surpassed Trey Clark in the steals category so
1: far. 21 for Ace, 20 for Trey, 18 for Bones. I mean, the point guards are the ones really, I guess, poking the ball
2: away. Yeah, for sure. And I think that goes back to, um, you know, those guys are the guys who are, you know, on, on the ball the most, most often. So, you know, one-on-one opportunities, um, you know, you know they, they get the most opportunities to, to kind of poke the ball away and things like that. And one thing I think is interesting, too, I wish, I wish it was something that was kind of tracked more often, um, you know, as far as publicly accessible stats. But my talked talks about, a lot about not just steals but deflections. Yeah. <laughs> And I think we've seen a lot of those too. I think a guy like Vince is a guy who comes with a lot of those, um, you know, which, you know, you don't always, again, you don't really get credit for those in the, in, the, in, the, in the box course. Usually the guy who who corrals the ball after whoever pokes it away, but um, they, they get a lot of deflections too. Sometimes those deflections go out of, out of bounds, but still those, those get, you know, the, the team out of rhythm. It um, lessens the amount the of time they have on the shot clock when they get the ball back. And I think those are important too for a rescued team who, uh, even though they, they really press very well, they're also uh, defending in the half court pretty well as well as well
0: last year Rhodes talked a lot about how he wanted to see his guys just dive for the ball anytime it was on the floor that was one thing he always made a note of the effort they always had to give that effort to dive for the loose balls this year I feel like we haven't heard him talk about it this much maybe more so because it's already part of this team's identity you know it's already it's already integrated into what this team is about and and the effort they're giving on the floor and I feel like it's translated over in a lot of areas not just and not just um, on defense as well Uh, on offense, too. I mean, the points uh, per game has taken a significant jump. Last year, they were um, uh, averaging just over 70 points per game. This year, it's over 77. So there are are so many different, um, you know, integrated parts of this team's identity that I don't, that Rhodes hasn't had to talk about as much this year, just because, you know, it's just part of already who this team is.
2: Yeah, exactly. Which is all the more um, very impressive, just considering again, you know, you have so many new guys to this to this team. You know, young guys playing, young guys taking over new roles who are returning, um, and they all seem to, to fit. You know, what what they what they want to do, and uh, like you mentioned, the increase in the offensive production as well. I think part of that too has to do with you know another big stat that they've jumped up with this year as as far as efficiency on, on two point attempts. Um, you know, which you know, a road, road the system, they a lot of guys get green lights to shoot the three ball. You know, the last couple of years they didn't really always. see the production they want to see from the three ball though but this year, you know, Bones is shooting the ball well, Vince is shooting the ball well from, from deep but also, you know, you see guys all over the roster doing a good job of driving to the basket, scoring around the basket I think uh, uh, Levi is starting to come into his own, you know, scoring around the basket, he's one of those guys it seemed like he, it seemed like every game you know, he's the guy who scores the first basket, basket either he or Corey, which was sort of uh, Marcus Santos Silva's role last year, they, they like to go inside early to kind of get an early point and kind of maybe get things going that way and he's kind of really stepped, he and Corey are really Step into that role well Uh, but also you know your your wings and guys like Jameer you know Trey are doing a good job of slashing and finishing strong at the rim Uh, and so I think that that's really helping um, the offensive production and allowing them to be able to play inside out as well.
0: Yeah, Levi Stockard has been such a big addition. Just just a note, I mean, the way he has improved as the season has gone on, uh, I wasn't expecting to see this much offensibility from him just from how the first few games looked. But now um, down low, he's been a huge asset for VCU, and I think someone who's made um, uh, big improvements as, as the season is halfway
2: done now. Yeah, definitely. And he's, he's a big body. Like you look at his, um, his, um, I guess, height and weight is very, very similar to Santos. So he's obviously a different player, but very, very similar. I think they needed it again for, for having so many athletic big guys like a guy like Corey and a guy like Mikel Brown Jones, you know, they're, they're they're post players, but also very mobile guys They're not your typical um, sort of bangers, big bodies down low. But Levi kind of serves that role as sort of um, as Mike Rose has called, sort of an anchor big who can kind of you know, play a little bit more traditional post player role uh, and kind of contend with some of the bigger post players they'll see as, as the season continues. So, uh, like I said, he's done a, done a good job. I think, I think again, just coming to a new team, maybe it took him a couple of games to get get going, but now he's I think he's coming into his own and he's playing very well. Yeah, one thing to
1: note about that the bigs for VCU, as you said, shooting pretty well. I mean Hassan Ward shooting sixty percent. The offensive really has taken off for him this year. Levi shooting 56%, and then we're missing Corey. He's shooting 50%. So, I mean, they're all above 50% around their end, which I think that's pretty solid for that group.
2: Definitely, definitely. And you need you need those you need those easy looks. You need those easy looks to go um, to do what you want to do, and again to maybe help create open looks from, from deep. And I think they're going to doing a good job of, um, of of picking their spots. And 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 that's, that's one of the other aspects. You know, we noticed too they're moving the ball well over, overall. And but they're not also also not you know jacking up a lot of bad threes um, at a high volume. You know, they're, they're choosing good shot attempts um, for the most part. You see Bones, which I think he's the one guy who gets the green light to do that. You see him take some 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 um, some some. High high uh, degree of difficulty three sometimes but he's the maybe the one guy who gets away with that but by and large um, um you know they are not taking a whole lot of bad threes I guess you can say so um well, yeah
0: yeah I mean you can have guys do that because mm-hmm. of their ability I feel like you know their field goal percentage under the rim has been so high this season um and because of that you know that gives a little um you know ability for the guys who want to shoot threes to be able to shoot more threes right exactly
1: well, moving on from St. Joseph's VCU scheduled to play at home against Davidson that got postponed due to the COVID press conference today. We didn't really learn some much that we didn't already know, right?
2: Right, yeah, um, you know, they could, couldn't really divulge much about uh, what happened. Um, you know, the figures, you know, probably most likely either, you know, false positive or, um, you know, possibly someone had a close contact with someone maybe was suspected. Um, could have had COVID and maybe later tested tested negative and then it got it kinda of all clear, but um, yeah, you know, the, the games, against guess they Saturday postponed just so just they were careful going through every, the motions with everything and then after further review, um, late Sunday night, get get the, the green light and able to uh, resume practice um, you know, this afternoon, Monday afternoon. So, um, so yeah, it was unfortunate, but also, I guess, in, in a way, fortunate that they didn't have, you know, a longer pause like some other programs we, we've seen and, and you know, you know able to play against George Mason Wednesday and against um, Rhode Island on, on Saturday, so yeah. Um, so, you know, they would kind of, kind of, you could say dodge a bullet there in a, in a sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. for sure. I think definitely dodge a bullet just because, I mean, like there have been some programs that um, have gotten these positive tests and haven't, you know, had to cancel their at least their next two weeks. Right. And so the fact that VCU only had to postpone one game and are, you know, right back on in the same week, you know, this Wednesday, they're going up to Fairfax just to play George, George Mason. I think that is, um, you know, lucky maybe I, I don't know if that's the right word uh but um it's so huge that uh that it just turned out to be the way it is
2: yeah yeah definitely And know um, so you know they, they really miss much like my said they couldn't do anything on Saturday um, we couldn't do anything on Sunday either so two days if, if you want to spend it a different way is two days of rest I guess yeah <laughs> the guys had the guys had to quarantine on Saturday and Sunday before they before they um were said they, they were good to go so uh so yeah th- you know thankfully for them not, not too much of a hiccup and they're able to get back get back pretty, pretty quickly. So, um, it's like I said, you know, as a coach, you know, there's two types of calls you don't really want to get it's the one after midnight, you know, or the one, you know, around eight <laughs> in the morning, which especially this year, you know, once they get the test results back, you know, they had tested on Friday and then, uh, you know, the, the trainer Dennis Williams got the results back and, and gave him a call early Saturday morning that, that they had entered enter the protocol and that's this year's hmm. the call you don't want to get. So, um, so, uh, they got it this time, but again, thankfully for them, uh, it was something that were, it was an extended layoff. Sure. Now they will play George Mason on
1: Wednesday. That's a team that VCU realistically all the time is taking care of 15 and six, but they lost their last matchup at home last year. That was kind of an upset. That was the beginning of the long skid that the Rams had faced toward the end of last year.
2: Yeah, this is a George Mason team. They have some experience now. Um, and, you a know, team that, you know, Coach Dave Paulson said before the year, you know, it could be uh, his best team since he got to George Mason. Um, you know, I think A.J. Wilson is is, is the star there. Uh, he's a guy that VCU's going to have to watch out for. Uh, he's one of the top shot blockers in the country. Um, so offensively, we're talking about, you know, VCU's success and efficiency inside. That's a team you're going to have to, you know, go up strong against against a guy like I got, got like A.J. Wilson. And then defensively, I had to watch out for uh, one of their new guys, uh, Tyler Kolek, who's um, one of the best three-point shooters in the country. So they definitely have, have some talent in uh, having to go on the road again uh, in league play. Definitely uh, George Mason, the team to watch out for. Yeah, right. George Mason, 5-3, and
1: 1-1 one one in the 8-10, beating UMass, losing to Dayton. They also had a kind of ugly loss to Norfolk State, which was probably a game that a lot of Patriot fans – and I bet you head coach Dave Paulson probably wants back – probably one of the not the most prettiest moments in his tenure there.
0: So Wayne, George Mason, one of their bigger threats, Jordan Miller averaging 17.8 points per game, uh, six rebounds per game, but they're only shooting 32% from three this year. Uh, How big of an offensive threat do you consider this, this George Mason team to be?
2: I think the right, you know, anytime you have a guy like like Miller who can kind of do it all, uh, even though as a team they're not shooting as well from three, he can he can hit some some threes and he can, he can score inside as a very versatile player, he really kind of coming to his own uh since he had his red shirt removed his uh, his freshman year, um, and it was kind of pushing to the lineup when he had some injuries and he could kind of continue to grow from there. Uh and then they added you know a freshman and Tyler Kolek, uh, who's a very, very good three-point shooter. He had uh four. Saturday against against Dayton as well. And, and, and uh, Jordan Miller had two that game too. So um, they have some they have some threats. Uh, and again, uh, like like we saw against St. Joseph's on Wednesday, sometimes all it takes is one guy to get high and you find yourself in a little hole. So um uh, even even though as a team they don't have the best offensive numbers, they have some, some guys that can they can put some points on you. So those are gonna have to have to be emphasis for um for BCU. It'll be interesting to see how they um they kind of uh def- defend those guys, um who, who they put on them and, and how they ch- choose to approach it.
0: Yeah, I think for VCU, one of those keys to this uh, George Mason game is going to be getting out to a hot offensive start, a fast, you know, fast pace on offense. We saw, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, they were a little slow at the beginning of, of uh, Saint Joe's. They were, you know, slow to start off that game, and they allowed Saint Joe's to go on the early run. But for VCU, I think a big goal is to make sure that they get hot on offense early, so those early runs don't start, and they can contain George Mason from running away uh, with this game potentially, and, and you know, help lock up their second A10 win.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think that's something that I was going to be emphasized heading in. Is maybe first five minutes, like first five minutes, we need a, you know a hot start on the road. I think any time on the road you want that, but uh, you know, especially against a team that has, does have some of time to offensive guys like like a Miller and like a Colec, you don't want those guys to again hit some early basket and get some get some confidence because sometimes that's all a shooter needs. So. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the, the, a fast start will, will be key. We, we talked about, you know, guys like like Levi, Corey, sometimes getting the ball to them in, in early and getting a couple of early baskets is, is the key. And then you allow, you know, a guy like a Bones or or uh, Jameer or something like that to um, to start start launching from three and, and try to make them. So uh, so yeah, I think I think you know, like you said, a, a fast start, an effective start will, will be key. I think not just obviously, but defensively as well. I think. Uh, at Saint Joe's, uh, they didn't have the tightest defense early on. and They were allowing a guy like a Bishop to get get some get some nice looks. So, making sure to come out of the gate kind of on point and focused and locked in on defense will be key as well.
0: Right, and it came down to the wire last time for VCU, and uh, I think this time they're trying to make it not not so uh, close. That was uh, you know a, a heartbreaking loss for VCU, but this year in the A10, I think they're looking um, to do things a little bit differently. Wrapping up here, the Ram Report, the sixth episode of the season. Wayne, thank you so much for coming on. We always appreciate you uh,
2: have, having you on here as a guest. Oh, Definitely. Thank you, guys. You guys do a great job. Enjoy enjoy all your stuff. So thanks for having me.
0: Great. Yeah, thanks so, for coming on, Wayne. <laughs> same time here next week, the Ram Report on ESPN Richmond, WVCW, Commonwealth Times. Once again, our, our guest, Wayne Epps, Jr. from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next week.